You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. From the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The Bank of Japan shocks markets with a big policy pivot. The January 6th committee recommends severe punishment for former President Trump. FTX co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried could be on his way home from the Bahamas. And Twitter turmoil continues after Elon Musk stays silent over his role at the company. A Los Angeles jury finds disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein guilty of rape, plus protesters target a New York councilman for supporting drag story hour. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Packers beat the Rams. The Islanders got shut out. The Red Hot Knicks host Golden State tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow in U.S. Stock Index Futures. Our little change this morning. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg Radio. Right now, S&P futures are, again, little change. Dow futures are as well. And NASDAQ futures are lower down a quarter percent or 29 points. The DAX in Germany is down a third of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 20, 30 seconds, yield 3.65 percent. Nathan. Karen, we begin this morning overseas with the Bank of Japan sparking big market moves this morning. In a hawkish shift, BOJ Governor Haruhiko Kuro doubled a cap on 10-year yields, paving the way for possible policy normalization under a new governor. The yen has strengthened sharply in response while government bonds are slumping. The Bank of Japan is billing the move as a way to enhance monetary easing. But Blue Bay Asset Management Portfolio Manager Russell Matthews says it could be the start of an exit from stimulus policy. Do we think that this is just an isolated move? Absolutely not. This is the beginning of normalization. Um, they've been increasingly struggling to hold um uh, uh you know the 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 hard policy mix the emergency policy mix that that that's now sort of changed um and we're on the we're on the pathway to normalization um, and the market is going to be pretty volatile as we progress along that path. Russell Matthews, along with others at Blue Bay, have long predicted the BOJ's hawkish shift. And taking a look at the yen right now, it is stronger by 3.5% against the dollar at 132.24. Well, Nathan, trading in Asia-Pacific overnight was dominated by the BOJ News. And we get the recap from Bloomberg's Annabelle Drewlers in Sydney. What policymakers are now going to allow is the 10-year yield to reach 0.5% on its trading band. That had previously been set the upper limit at 0.25%, so a huge change for us. Yields moving higher, stocks slumping across the board, particularly in the sectors that are more sensitive to rising yields, like property, tech stocks, financials, though, absolutely jumping with the likes of Mitsubishi, UFG. 
ESJ. That's a huge lender there in Japan, rising by the most in six years. Otherwise, the major story in markets today was what's happening in China. We are continuing to monitor that COVID outbreak there. We did see the CSI 300 trading in the red. In Sydney, I'm Annabelle Drulas, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Annabelle, thanks. Let's stay overseas for another story out of Asia. Social media posts in China signal COVID deaths may be much higher than Beijing's official count. And now Beijing is confirming it has changed the method for counting COVID fatalities, narrowing the definition. China reported just five deaths tied to COVID today. Well, bond yields across the globe are rising this morning, Nathan, thanks to that policy shift from the Bank of Japan. U.S. stock index futures are a little changed after four days of losses initially propelled by hawkish rhetoric from the Fed. Optimism about a policy pivot could finally be waning. But if not, and stocks push higher, former New York Fed President Bill Dudley says that could lead to more tightening. The market thinks that the Fed will blink once the unemployment rate starts going up. So the market is basically saying that the Fed doesn't mean what it says. They're saying this to try to talk tough, but when the going gets difficult, the Fed will fold. I don't believe that. I think Powell's going to do what he says. And former New York Fed governor and Bloomberg opinion columnist Bill Dudley made the comments on Bloomberg's surveillance. Catch the program weekday mornings on Bloomberg Radio and Television or subscribe to the daily Bloomberg Surveillance podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. All right, let's turn to politics now, Karen, because we have some major developments in the U.S. centered on Donald Trump. A House committee has recommended the former president be prosecuted for his role in the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. Now, this marks the first ever such referral for a former president after a 17-month investigation. Democratic Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin says the former president would be disqualified from holding office if convicted. The committee has developed significant evidence that President Trump intended to disrupt the peaceful transition of power under our Constitution. Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin says former President Trump failed in his constitutional duty. Well, turning from politics to crypto now, Nathan, it was a wild day in court for former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, who could now be headed back to the U.S. sooner than we thought. Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Mixed messages were the order of the day, with Bankman-Fried and his attorney not exactly on the same page. SVF said in court he was ready to face the music in the U.S., but at the same hearing, his local lawyer said he was unaware of the plan. Later in the day, Jerron Roberts appeared to reverse himself, telling reporters Bankman Freed would not fight extradition to the U.S., where he faces charges of fraud over the sudden collapse of FTX. Last week, Bankman Freed said he planned to fight extradition. Sources tell Bloomberg the change of heart is in part motivated by the expectation that he will be able to get bail here in the U.S. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. And it wouldn't be a day in December if we didn't have more news on Twitter. The latest development has Elon Musk saying the company will now vote on Twitter policy matters and leave it only to Blue members. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. This coming after 57% of the respondents to his poll about whether he should step down said yes. Musk does say that this was in response to somebody who had messaged him earlier in the day. Now, there were more than 10 million votes saying that he should relinquish his role. Musk also tweeted that nobody wanted his job and that it would be impossible to find a successor, although he didn't directly address whether he was going to step down. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Ed, thanks. Futures little changed this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And it is now 32 degrees in Central Park. We have a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world now with Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Los Angeles jurors found disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein guilty of rape and sexual assault of one of the four accusers he was charged with abusing. Weinstein was found guilty involving a woman who said he appeared uninvited at her hotel room door during a Los Angeles film festival in 2013. Weinstein, who was two years into a 23-year sentence for a rape and sexual assault conviction in New York, could get up to 24 years in prison in California when he's sentenced. New York Council member Eric Botcher was targeted by a group that calls itself Gays Against Groomers, Botcher says over the weekend they protested outside the Drag Story Hour, in which a person in drag reads children's books to kids at a public library. 
It's a very successful and popular program around the country. Unfortunately, on the Internet, there are these very dark and unhinged uh, memes that really have convinced some of these people that children are being sexually groomed. Botcher says two of the protesters made it as far as the lobby inside his apartment building after scrawling anti-gay slurs on the sidewalk in front. They were arrested for trespassing. The NYPD says a 30-year-old woman is under arrest after police say she broke into actor Robert De Niro's home while he was inside. Police say she was stealing his Christmas gifts. The suspect, Shanice Avalis, has 26 prior arrests and was known to police. So much so, they spotted her in the area on Manhattan's Upper East Side and began to follow her allegedly trying to break into other homes. A dedication ceremony was held in Central Park for a group of black and Hispanic men who became known as the Central Park Five. An entrance to the park was renamed as the Gate of the Exonerated in honor of the five men wrongly convicted for a 1989 attack and a rape in the park. New York Mayor Eric Adams said the location will be a landmark in civil rights history. Uh, we should be having school trips to talk about this story. The men were cleared in 2002 and received a $41 million settlement from the city. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. Good morning, John. Good morning, Nathan. Nixon and Rangers have both won seven in a row. Look to keep the streaks going tonight at the Garden. It's the Knicks and the Warriors. Always a hot ticket when Golden State comes in, although no Steph Curry and the Warriors are under 500. The Rangers play in Pittsburgh. Islanders were in Colorado, scoreless through 65 minutes, and then only one goal scored in the shootout. The Avs won one nothing. Isles got 46 saves from Helios Sorokin, but they've now lost four of their last five. Rams and Packers figure to be two of the best in the NFC this year. They are certainly not. Green Bay in 15-degree weather, one at 24-12. to And the Rams, with their 10th loss, tie the record for most defeats by a defending Super Bowl champion. Short work week for the Jets. They host Jacksonville on Thursday. If Mike White can't play, it'll be Zach Wilson against the Jaguars' Trevor Lawrence. They were the first two picks of the 2021 draft. Lawrence has been playing great. For Jacksonville, Wilson returned Sunday due to White's injury. He wasn't quite as bad as he was before he got benched, but certainly made some mistakes. His coach is Robert Sala. This kid's going to be a good quarterback. Um, the, the the NFL and this this new instant coffee world that we're in just does not want to give people time, and uh, and so we look at him and he is just nitpicked with it uh, and just with a fine-tooth comb, everything that he does. Pretty much must win for the Jets Thursday if they hope to make the playoffs. In City Field, the Mets introduced their new Japanese import, Kodai Singa. Seth Lugo pitched out of the Mets' bullpen the past seven years. He has signed with San Diego. Tom Browning pitched for Cincinnati for 11 years, once threw a perfect game, has passed away at 62. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. All right, John, thanks. Bloomberg Sports is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off. In the Audi model you've always wanted, visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Expecting sunshine today with a high near 40 degrees, clear to partly cloudy tonight, upper 20s for overnight lows, and we'll be back near 40 in the sunshine tomorrow. Right now in Central Park, it is clear and 32 degrees. S&P futures down four points, Dow futures up four, and NASDAQ futures are lower by 30 points. Ten-year Treasury yield right now 3.65%. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We continue to watch the yen this morning surging by 3.3% against the dollar, 132.53, as markets continue to assess this surprise move by outgoing Bank of Japan Governor Haruhiko Kuroda to adjust the yield curve control policy for the central bank in Japan, doubling the cap on 10-year yields from a quarter percent to a half percent. Joining us now with more analysis is Kit Jukes, the chief FX strategist, at Societe Generale. 
Kit, it's great to speak with you this morning. Uh, what was your reaction to this move, and should the market be as surprised as it seems to be? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with wow was my reaction, I think, to be honest. It was, um, yeah, I think that we thought they were going to do something like this in April at the end of uh, Mr. Kuroda's term. So, uh, yeah, four months early, just before Christmas, quiet markets, uh, it's got to move. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, I think uh, you have to at least – you know, put it in the context that, that they've been completely alone, really, in, in, their, in their monetary policy stance um, through, through this crisis uh, or through this year. Uh, the, the, the widening interest rate differential with the United States, the rise in U.S. yields have seen dollar yen rise from 110 to 150. Um, there's a long way to go back the other way, you know, if, if you signal that that's all going to slowly start to unwind now. Of course, it won't all unwind, but but if we look through at the future from here and we say normalization of Japanese policy, you know, the end of the Fed hiking cycle, not a million miles away from where we are, you, you can look at dollar yen and think, yeah, it, it, it could go down a lot lower than this over the medium longer term. And, and yeah, so we're going to do too much on the first day, and, and the, uh, the Bank of Japan will, will stress the fact that this is being done for the orderly function of the bond market, which doesn't function in an orderly fashion at all at the moment, and isn't really intended to be a, an easy a tightening in monetary policy. But um, I'm not sure we'll hear any of that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it, uh, if it goes further than this. Yeah, as you say, uh, Kuroda did say that this was about improving bond market functioning, not necessarily a policy pivot. But do you see this as a first step toward policy normalization from the BOJ? Not in a quick step, but I see it as a tightening in monetary conditions, and I think that's what matters. I I don't think that that it's – you know, it's not certainly not. You know, I think if let's put it this way, if if I thought that we were going to see this in April, I don't think this means I'm going to see another one in April. I think this is April's one now, if you like, in terms of a policy move. So it's not part of a chain. But I think it's the monetary conditions that do matter. You're tightening those and, and, and you're raising interest rate levels that, that people can earn. Um, so, you know, the sectors, the sectors of the economy that don't like higher interest rates are going to feel it in the same way as they would here. You know, it, it, it sort of it smells and sounds like, you know, like, like, like a like a rate hike would in the United States or the UK, and, and so I'll, I'll call it that in Japan, I think, for now. It, it, it's also a catalyst for me that's important for the currency market because, um, you know, the, the, the Japanese are the biggest holders of foreign assets in the world, and so they hold an enormous number of foreign assets, and they've made very, done very well out of them in this period of yen weakness. It's very hard not to see this as a signal to them, hedge that FX risk. And if they're hedging that FX risk, they're de facto buying yen uh, and they'll make it get stronger. So, uh, you know, that that to me is, is the bit. This smells and sounds and feels and looks like monetary tightening, whatever you want to call it. It tightens finite monetary conditions um, and it's probably, you know, yen positive for the medium term, not just for today. Does that add further to dollar negative then? Yeah, it, it feeds into the whole pattern. I mean, I think, it, you know, again, uh, when the last standout puts raises not policy rates, but but it's it's yield it's yield target at which it'll intervene in the bond market, um, and the Fed, you know, is going to slow in February. We most people expect a 25 basis point hike, and then we'll see how many of those we get. It, very very hard not to see that as, you know, further. Um, nail in the coffin of the of this really incredible period of dollar strength, the second biggest or, or the biggest dollar rally since the one that ended in um, February 1985. So we've got about 30 seconds left here, Kit. We're staring at 132 for the yen right now. How much further does the yen go down? It came from 110. Uh, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I think it can get to 120 in, in, in six months' time. Quite easy. The yen has form of overshooting targets that I put down as forecasts when it has these moves. This is the fifth one it's done um, since the mid-90s, and uh, they were all bigger than this, the corrections. Great to have you on with this, Kit, especially after a move like this. Really appreciate your insights. Kit Jukes, Chief FX Strategist at Societe Generale. I imagine we're going to be keeping our eye on the yen for uh, some time here. Right now, stronger against the dollar by uh, just about 3.3%, trading at 132.57. As for other uh, G10 currencies, the euro right now at 1.0627 against the dollar, British pound 1.2138. Futures, 
Little change to lower right now. S&P futures are down 7 points. Dow futures down 17. And NASDAQ futures are lower by 39 points. 10-year Treasury down 21.30 seconds. Yield on the 10-year in the U.S., 3.66%. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Treasury yields rising, global equities falling after the Bank of Japan emulated its central bank peers with a hawkish move that lifted the yen to its highest in more than four months and sent domestic bond yields 20 basis points higher. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg S&P Futures. They're down five points now, down about a tenth of a percent. Dow futures are little changed. NASDAQ futures down three-tenths of a percent or 33 points. The DAX in Germany is down a half per, uh, down about a quarter percent, I should say. Ten-year Treasury down 21.30 seconds, yield 3.66 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.27 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.1 percent of 79 cents at $75.98 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1 percent or $18.60 at $18.16.30 an ounce. The euro, 1.0628 against the dollar. British pound 1.2141, the yen 132.47, and Bitcoin this morning up 1.1%. It's at $16,800. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. A House committee recommended that Donald Trump be prosecuted for his role in the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol, the first ever such referral of a former president. Representative Jamie Raskin said it would disqualify Trump from holding office if convicted. The Supreme Court granted a temporary stay on the immigration restriction known as Title 42. It was expiring tomorrow, but 19 Republican-led states filed an appeal. Monday Night Football, the Packers beat the Rams 24-12. In the NHL, the Islanders lost in a shootout to the Avalanche. One zip. The Capitals and Bruins were winners. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thanks. It's 523 on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And our focus this morning is sharply on the Bank of Japan, but that doesn't mean we're taking our eyes off the Federal Reserve. Fed policy and conjecture about future policy have largely shaped the direction of markets over this past week. Now let's get the view from a former Central Bank member. Bill Dudley served as president of the New York Fed for nearly a decade. Now he's a professor at Princeton and a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Dudley sat down with Bloomberg's Tom Keene and Lisa Abramowitz on Bloomberg Surveillance to take stock of the Fed's latest move and what's ahead for the new year. Let's listen in. What does the data point of January 12, the inflation report, signal to the Fed where possibly they will have three data points lined up marking some form of disinflation? Paul have been very clear that to achieve success, he needs to see moderation of goods prices, which he is seeing, uh, moderation of services prices, excluding housing, which he's not seeing, and more slack in the labor market, which he's not seeing. So he's only achieved one out of his three goals. So the thing to focus on is what's happening to services inflation, excluding housing, because we know housing is going to come down with a lag. Uh, and what's happening in the labor market? You know, we have, you know, the last payroll employment increase was mm-hmm. 261,000. We need to see payroll gains of, you know, 50,000, 75,000 a month. We need to see uh, an increase in the unemployment rate, unfortunately, right. to generate kind of slack in the labor market we need to get inflation down in the services sector. Bill, I've been confused by the market response after we got the latest Fed meeting. There hasn't been a real increase in bond yields, and there is still priced into the market a lower terminal rate than what the Fed is saying that they are going to do. How do you understand that? Well, there's two possible explanations. Number one, uh, the market thinks that the Fed will blink once the unemployment rate starts going up. So the market is basically saying that the Fed doesn't mean what it says. They're saying this to try to talk tough, but when the going gets difficult, the Fed will fold. That's one possible explanation. I don't believe that. I think Powell's going to do what he says. And number two, uh, they may just have a more benign view about how fast inflation is going to come down. I think the market is uh, overweighting the improvement in goods price inflation. We knew goods price inflation was going to come down for two reasons. Number one, uh, the switch in, in, you know, in, in the pandemic uh, has reduced the demand for goods versus services. And two, we knew that some of these supply chain disruptions were going to normalize. The fact that used car prices are falling now is no surprise to anybody. 
At the same time, people point to the fact that credit card receivables are going up. People are borrowing more. It indicates the cushion is getting used up. And there, there will be a, a music stoppage at the beginning of the year that people will stop spending, and perhaps they already are. How do you push back against that and say, no, there is actually more momentum, more dynamism behind that, that this Fed has to curb? Well, one aspect of goods price inflation going down is the overall inflation rates lower, so people's wages go a bit further than they were before. And as you said, uh, you know, the excess savings is coming down, but still, there's still about a trillion and a half money of savings above what you would expect the situation to be if we hadn't had those large fiscal transfers. And finally, there's going to be a lot more uh, uh, income for people caused by indexing. So look at Social Security, 8.7% increase coming next month. That's a $100 billion increase in federal spending. All those people are, are going to go out and spend that money. That's former New York Fed President Bill Dudley speaking with Lisa Abramowitz and Tom Keene on Bloomberg Surveillance. You can catch more of that interview and conversations just like it on the latest edition of the Bloomberg Surveillance podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Got this morning's top stories and local headlines just ahead. First, today's Bloomberg weather forecast. High pressure has control. The weather out of continued move towards the tri-state area coming in from the west. We'll have sunshine today and temperatures should be close to 40 degrees. Generally clear tonight. The city will drop to 25 to 30. It'll fall into the teens in some of the suburbs. High pressure is still in control tomorrow. We'll have more sunshine, a high of 40. Cloudy Thursday with rain developing in the afternoon, a high close to 45. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And we're coming up to 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Innovation Refunds. Your business may be eligible to receive a payroll tax refund. The application takes around eight minutes, eight minutes or less, to see if your small to medium-sized business may be eligible for a refund of up to $26,000 per employee kept on the payroll during the pandemic. Find out at GetRefunds.com. And we're nearly four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin overseas with the Bank of Japan. Governor Haruhiku Kuroda shocked markets overnight by adjusting the central bank's yield curve control program. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has the details. The shocking move sparked a massive jump in the yen and a big drop in the Nikkei. The BOJ will now allow Japan's 10-year bond yields to rise to about half a percentage point. That's up from the previous upper limit of a quarter percentage point. The central bank kept its target on the yield unchanged at around 0% and left its short-term interest rate at minus 0.1%. Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Brian, thank you. And let's look at that jump in the yen. It's right now at 132.45 against the dollar. Well, staying overseas in Asia, Karen, social media posts in China signal that COVID deaths may be much higher than Beijing's official count. And now China confirms it has changed its method for counting fatalities, narrowing the definition of a COVID death. China reported just five fatalities tied to the virus today. Well, back here in the U.S., Nathan, futures are little changed after four days of losses initially propelled by hawkish Fed rhetoric. Bets on a recession are ramping up. A former New York Fed president, Bill Dudley, says he expects a downturn to be relatively controlled. Well, I don't expect a recession quite yet. I think the economy still has considerable forward momentum. I think the recession, when it finally does occur, uh, will be mild. This is a recession, if it occurs, is completely induced by the Fed to generate more slack in the labor market. Former New York Fed governor and Bloomberg opinion columnist Bill Dudley made the comments on Bloomberg Surveillance. Catch the program weekday mornings on Bloomberg Radio and Television. In politics, the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack has recommended prosecution for former President Donald Trump, marking the first ever such referral. A decision on whether to prosecute lies with the Department of Justice. And turning from politics to crypto now, Nathan, it was a wild day in court for Sam Bankman-Fried. The former FTX CEO could now be headed back to the U.S. sooner than we thought. We get more from Bloomberg. Steve Rappaport. Steve. 
Good morning, Karen and Nathan. It's never a good sign when the attorney and the defendant are not on the same page. That scenario unfolded in court yesterday when Bankman Fried said he was ready to waive his right to fight extradition to the U.S. That caught his local lawyer off guard, who said he was not aware of the plan. Jaron Roberts later told reporters Bankman Fried would not fight extradition to the U.S., where he's charged with fraud related to the collapse of FTX. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Steve, thank you. Futures, little changed this morning, and straight ahead we have your latest local head lines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. And at 531 on Wall Street, we bring in Michael Barr for a look at what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Disgrace movie mogul Harvey Weinstein has been convicted of several more sexual assault charges. Of the seven sexual assault charges Weinstein was on trial for in Los Angeles, the jury convicted him of three, including the rape of a former Italian actress in 2013. The jury could not agree on other charges involving other accusers, including one represented by attorney Gloria Allred, who says her client, though, is focused on the guilty verdicts. She feels that that was justice, so she's thinking of others in addition to herself. Weinstein faces another 20 or so years in prison for the convictions. He's already serving a 23-year sentence in New York. Drag Story Hour and a New York City council member who supports it are the latest targets of protests. Councilman Eric Botcher says protesters galvanized by online conspiracy theories tried to disrupt the weekend reading event at a New York City public library in Chelsea. They were blocked from entering, but yesterday two protesters made it into the lobby of Botcher's apartment nearby, scrawling anti-gay slurs on the sidewalk in front. It's a really disgusting conspiracy theory that people have latched onto, and it's they're, they're really taking this way too far. Police arrested two protesters for trespassing. Riders on some New York City subway lines may see less service on Mondays and Fridays and an increase on weekends. According to data from the MTA, the changes come as remote work continues to keep weekday ridership down. New Jersey lawmakers gave final approval to legislation overhauling rules to get a firearm carry permit after this summer's U.S. Supreme Court ruling expanded gun rights. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 5.33 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Okay, Nathan. Chilly night in Green Bay. Packers kept their faint playoff hopes alive. Beat the Rams 24-12. to Aaron Rodgers now won nine straight Monday nighters. Baker Mayfield, the Rams' new quarterback, did better when he hadn't practiced with them a week after he debuted with a comeback win. Mayfield threw an interception, got sacked five times. The next game is Thursday. Jets and Jaguars at MetLife for the Jets just lost to Detroit. A lot of criticism of Jets coach Robert Sala for faulty clock management in the Jets' final drive. And I was trying to beat New York on a challenge, and that's the one I overthought. It didn't matter. We're not playing for downs at this situation. Um, we're playing for time. And um, and when you look at it all, uh, I definitely probably cost us one more snap uh, in that in that uh, transaction. So I'm uh, something that I definitely need to be better. I definitely overthought it, and uh, I wish I could have that one back. Had the Jets had more time, they could have gained some more yards, and their game time field goal attempt might not have had to be a 58 yard. A lot of talk also about the end of the Giants win at Washington. Commanders upset about an illegal formation penalty that wiped out a touchdown and a non. Pass interference call in their final play. Giants visit Minnesota Saturday. Philadelphia visits Dallas. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts may not play. He's got an injured shoulder. Islanders lost to Colorado. one nothing in a shootout. The Rangers played tonight in Pittsburgh. The Rangers have won seven straight, and so have the Knicks. They host Golden State. Today is a national holiday in Argentina as they honor the World Cup champions. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? A well-deserved day off for Argentina. Thank you, John. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. 5.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. For that, we bring in Bloomberg's Ed Corey. A planned strike by New York Uber drivers fizzled on Monday despite a call for a boycott of the app. The New York Taxi Workers Alliance asked Uber drivers to turn off the app for 24 hours starting at midnight on Sunday to protest Uber's attempts to block wage increases approved by the Taxi and Limousine Commission. 
New Jersey businesses would have to give severance pay to workers in mass layoffs starting next year under legislation that's headed to Governor Phil Murphy for his signature. State lawmakers passed the bill to put into effect changes that were first enacted in January of 2020 and postponed during the pandemic. Hartford's Planning and Zoning Commission has approved a proposed new Connecticut Children's Medical Center tower. It'll face Washington Street and significantly increase the hospital's size. The Stanford Advocate says it'll be eight stories tall and take up 195,000 square feet. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, Ed, thank you. It's 536 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. There's no climate security for the world without a protected Amazon, Brazil's president-elect, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva told a cheering crowd at climate talks in Egypt last month. He's right. Limiting global warming requires saving the planet's largest rainforest, which shriveled under outgoing President Jair Bolsonaro. After the previous government's neglect, Lula deserves credit for putting the Amazon back on the agenda. But he has little time to waste. His first priority should be to revive forest oversight agencies, expand protections for indigenous people and lands, and crack down on surging violence in the Amazon region. That will require Lula to reach beyond his core supporters and persuade a broad cross-section of Brazilians to embrace a greener future. If Brazil's president-elect hopes to halt deforestation in the Amazon, he can't do it alone. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures right now down 7 points. Dow futures down 21. NASDAQ futures are lower by 38 points. Ten-year Treasury is down 21, 30 seconds, yield 3.66%. Yield on the two-year, 4.27%. NYMEX crudes higher by one and a third percent, up a dollar, 76.19 a barrel. COMEX gold's up 1% or 18.50. It's 18.16.20 an ounce. And the yen, 3.5% stronger against the dollar at 132.33. We'll get much more on the Bank of Japan's surprise decision on yield curve control with Bloomberg's Paul Jackson. Straight ahead. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And Treasury yields are rising. U.S. stock index futures are lower after the Bank of Japan emulated its central bank peers with a sudden hawkish move that lifted the yen to a four-month peak and raised expectations of further policy tightening. Check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures, they're down eight points now, down two-tenths of a percent. Dow futures down a tenth of a percent or 30 points. And NASDAQ futures down four-tenths percent or 43 points. Ten-year Treasury down 22.30 seconds, yield 3.66 percent. They yield the two-year, 4.27%. NYMEX crude oil is up one and a third percent, up a dollar at $76.19 a barrel. COMEX gold up one percent or $18.60 at $18.16.30 an ounce. The euro, 1.0639 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2160. And the yen, 132.35. And Bitcoin is up 1.1% at about $16,800. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The House January 6th committee is urging the Justice Department to bring criminal charges against former President Donald Trump for the violent 2021 Capitol riot. The bipartisan panel says Trump and his associates helped him launch a pressure campaign to try to overturn his 2020 election loss. A jury in Los Angeles found disgraced film producer Harvey Weinstein guilty of three counts of sexual assault, including rape. Monday Night Football, the Packers beat the Rams 24-12. In the NHL, the Islanders lost in a shootout to the Avalanche, one zip. The Capitals and Bruins were winners. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. 
Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 542 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager along with Karen Moscow. Let's look at some of the other stories making news this morning. We get more economic data today. The government issues housing data at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, and it is expected to be a dose of bad news. Bloomberg's Vinnie Del Judice reports. The housing market has borne the brunt of the Federal Reserve's inflation fight, rising interest rates. The average rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage has doubled from record lows. Consider the prior month's data. October housing starts declined for the third time in four months. October building permits also slumped. Unwelcome news as we head into a new year. Vinnie Del Judice, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Well, on the corporate front this morning, shares of Credit Suisse are declining. Both Citi and RBC are saying the troubled lender needs to give greater visibility on its planned strategic overhaul for the stock to recover. One Citi analyst says he has little conviction in the plan based upon limited disclosure and recent company track records. Still, he has a buy rating on Credit Suisse thanks to its valuation. And while RBC welcomes the bank's decisive actions, it does not see a re-rating without more detail. Details on a plan. Well, Karen, we saw shares of Disney fall yesterday as that stock extends a lengthy sell-off that took it to a more than two-year low. Slump came after a somewhat disappointing opening weekend for the company's Avatar sequel. It was one of the most expensive movies in Hollywood history. Disney lowered its guidance for the opening weekend, and the stock is now down 45% this year, on track for its biggest annual decline in decades. Right now, Disney's little changed in the pre-market. Uh, coming up today, Nathan, not only am I likely to get a package from FedEx, but they're going to deliver earnings <laughs> as well. Yes, we indeed. Get a, yeah, we get a preview of those results from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. These results will provide an early look at the peak shipping season. Back in September, FedEx spooked the market and triggered a broad decline when it withdrew its forecast and cited worsening business conditions in multiple regions. Since then, other companies in the shipping industry have warned of weakness due to economic headwinds and waning consumer interest in e-commerce after a pandemic boom. FedEx has already begun furloughing employees and parking planes as part of a multi-billion dollar cost-cutting plan. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. Now we'll see if we get an earnings surprise from FedEx for the holidays. Thank you for that, Doug. Now let's get to our top story this morning. The surprise from the Bank of Japan on yield curve control policy, doubling the cap on 10-year yields. We're joined now by Paul Jackson, economics editor for Japan, Korea, and Australia for Bloomberg News. Paul, the uh, market saw this as a pretty big surprise, judging by the move in the yen this morning. How big a surprise is this historically for BOJ? Uh, This is a total surprise. Uh, Our survey of 47 economists, uh, none of them predicted this one. So this was certainly an out-of-the-blue Christmas surprise uh, for everyone. Uh, You saw that uh, markets reacted very strongly across a wide range of uh, assets. Uh, This was totally unexpected. There had been a lot of uh, local media reports and also reporting from Bloomberg of potential change to uh, an agreement between the uh, Bank of Japan and the government or about a review. And this all pointed towards change happening after Governor Kuroda uh, steps down in April, uh, that there was going to be change in December No one had it. What's the thinking among the uh, people that you're talking to about why Governor Kuroda decided to do this now instead of waiting for a successor to do it? We were just speaking with uh, Kit Jukes from SockGen earlier this hour. He says that he expected the move in April. Exactly. I think that was the the consensus that uh, we'd wait until we had a new a new governor uh, in place. Uh, so I think there's maybe two things going on here. I think one is that uh, during this year, we've had some very, very intense moments of pressure on uh, the BOJ's uh, easing framework and upward pressure on yields. And we're just kind of in a little pocket where, you know, helped by the Fed and other other moves, uh, there was a little less pressure on, on markets on on that yield cap. So when you want to uh, change the settings, you want to do it when there's less pressure on it so that the, the things don't go crazy when you make the change. So I think that's point number one. And point number two is he's kind of, Kuroda's uh, helping uh, his successor by opening the door to a uh, potential normalization of policy when the new governor comes in. 
by making this first initial step. But ultimately, it's up to the next governor to decide what uh, he or she's going to do. That's an interesting point, Paul, because the commentary we heard from Governor Kuroda seemed to downplay the idea that this was a policy shift, at least for now, saying that this move was about uh, improving the functioning of the uh, bond market. From the people that you're speaking to, are they buying that message? (laughs) <laughs> well, it's kind of uh, central bankers, uh, you know, 101, give with one hand and take away with the other, uh, give uh, an up signal and a down signal at the same time. So uh, rather than uh, frightening markets and saying, hey, look, this is a, is a, is a rate hike, we're tightening policy, is saying, no, no, this is nothing to do with that. It's in, in about uh, extending the sustainability of our stimulus by in that way he gives both options uh, to his successor. But in terms of the market reaction, well, I think it's very clear uh, they see it in one direction. Hey, this paves the way to tightening. And what's the potential ripple effect here for uh, not just global markets, but for global central banks? I mean, it seems as though the the drumbeat has been uh, for tighter policy around the world. Is this just the Bank of Japan hopping on the bandwagon here, or could this have uh, some further effect on where policy goes for other central banks around the world? Well, in, in, on this point, I would say that, you know, the, the rest of the central banking world, um, save perhaps the uh, PBOC, uh, they've already been racing to hike rates and to absolutely squash inflation. Now, as you know, Japan is a bit of an outlier. It's been trying to spark inflation for more than a decade been in incredible difficulty creating price growth in Japan. So their take on the need for stimulus has always been a bit different from your uh, major banks. So uh, I think it's the BOJ moving more in the direction of where everyone else is. So in terms of the, the policy implications for those other central banks, I don't think they're that big. But in terms of the policy, the, the implications for markets, I think they are big because when you think about it, if you've got one of the biggest central banks in the world, keeping yields down close to zero, and they're saying, hey, you know what? We'll let them go up to 0.5%. Okay, those figures don't sound that big compared to when you're looking at yields in other countries, but that is uh, a a big movement. It's a lifting off. It's a kind of cutting free of the tether on uh, global yields. Right. So this could encourage further upward movement in, in yields across the world. Thanks, Paul. Good having you on with us. Paul Jackson, economics editor for Japan, Korea, and Australia for Bloomberg News. On the surprise from the BOJ on yield curve control, this is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And Treasury yields, they're rising. U.S. stock index futures, they're a little changed after the Bank of Japan emulated its central bank peers with a sudden hawkish move that lifted the yen to a four-month peak. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures down three points now, but basically little change. Down futures are also little change. And NASDAQ futures down a quarter percent or 28 points. The DAX in Germany is down a quarter percent. Ten-year Treasury down 21.30 seconds, yield 3.66%. The yield on the two-year, 4.27. NYMEX crude oil is up one and a third percent of a dollar at $76.19 a barrel. COMEX gold up one percent or $18 at $18.15.70 an ounce. The euro 1.0636 against the dollar. British pound 1.2168 and the yen 132.48. And looking at Bitcoin, it's up one percent. It's at about $16,800. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thanks. It's 5.56 on Wall Street. Time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. Today, we look at the White House preparing for an expected surge of migrants at the southern border. That's after the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals refused to extend Title 42 pandemic border restrictions. But Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts has stepped in. He has temporarily stopped Title 42 from ending. That says the Supreme Court considers a bid from 19 Republican states to keep the rules in place. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks with immigration law expert Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Knight. So the chief justice was the one who temporarily blocked the scheduled ending of Title 42. And it came just hours after the Republican states filed 
their request. What does that tell you? Well, certainly the Chief Justice is one of the key swing votes, and I think he is one of the most practical votes in addition to being a swing vote. I mean, he's the one who has to decide it because he has the jurisdiction over the D.C. Circuit. The fact that he was willing to basically reward such a sort of very sudden stay request that could have been filed earlier, but that was filed in the nick of time, probably shows some receptiveness to the practical aspects of giving people more time to implement this Title 42 solution rather than just lifting it during the middle of the holidays. The Biden administration has been considering policies that would cut down on the number of migrants at the southern border. And one of them mirrors a Trump policy. You now have the Biden administration contemplating reinstating a Trump-era ban on getting asylum if you cross the border. This is now being actively considered. It's something the Trump administration did. They said if you cross the border without having tried to get asylum first in one of the countries you cross through, so whether you cross through El Salvador or Honduras or Guatemala or Mexico or all of those countries, the idea was you have to apply for asylum in the first location where you feel safe. That's something the Trump administration did, and that was in litigation, so we don't know if it would have survived litigation or not. And that's one of the things the Biden administration is considering. The second one would be that you're not allowed to get asylum if you try it by crossing the U.S. border illegally. Instead, the only way you can get it is by waiting at the port of entry. Now, in neither of these two cases are you banned from getting withholding of removal that has a much higher statutory burden and has far less rights. You can still sneak across under either of those two, but asylum would be banned if either of these two formulations are implemented, and perhaps both would be. And so then that would really foreclose asylum in a lot of in a lot of cases. That's Leon Fresco, a partner at Holland and Knight, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. You can catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Right now, S&P futures are down four points. Dow futures up 13. NASDAQ futures down 32. Ten-year Treasury yield 3.66%. We check the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. Hour two of Bloomberg Daybreak starts now. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio. 